0: Good morning, and welcome to New Up Assembly of God's online service. Uh, I'm so glad that you decided to join us here today on this beautiful day. Um, Well, that is if you're watching it here on Sunday. Um, If not, it may not be so nice out there, but uh, have faith wherever you're at, the sun is shining up above those clouds, and uh, God is good. Uh, First of all, I wanted to thank everyone for their generous donations uh, toward our online streaming equipment. Um, Actually using our new camera now to record this uh, service, and I can't wait until we're able to meet in person again. Uh, Once we're able to, you know, we're going to be able to actually live stream the services as well. Uh, So just, again, thank you so much. It's been an incredible blessing, and, um, and I just, you know, I'm just very grateful. I just overwhelmingly grateful uh, for your generosity uh, to enable us to more effectively uh, get the Word of God out there for people. Um, So thank you so much. It's a blessing, and we pray that God would richly bless you as well for uh, your willingness to be generous in your giving. Um, Today we're starting a a new message series uh, called The God of Miracles. And this is one of my favorite things about reading the Word of God. Uh, I mean, there's just, there's awesome wisdom found in the Word. Um, you know, just practical life guidance. Um, but one of my favorite things in the Bible are the adventures that God's people had the opportunity to partake in, um, including the miracles that He performed along their journey. Um, and I want to encourage you that uh, those great men and women of faith of, uh, you know, of renown uh, back in the day. Um, the same God that performed miracles for them, uh, he'll perform the same miracles for you and even greater things, actually, Jesus said, uh, would happen for us. And uh, so you know, throughout your life's journey and, uh, you know, as you're growing and, and learning and maturing in your faith, um, the God of miracles is still um, at it today. Uh, he still is working miracles. Uh, there's nothing too hard for our God. That's what his word says. And uh, our impossibilities, those things that we face that just seem hopeless and dark and and we have no idea how we can move on from there man. that is his specialty that is where god just loves to show off loves to shine um you know loves to make his greatness known uh you know to us and to the world around us uh as he works miracles in those situations uh the miracles of god i mean they they leave us in awe of him they they confirm without a shadow of a doubt that he exists, that he loves us, that he is great. Um, there's all these things, you know, just leaves us with this absolute assurance of who he is and, uh, you know, how he responds to uh, his creation, to us. Um, Today we're going to be learning a bit of a a 101 when it comes to the miracles of God. Uh, So we're going to kind of call this um, Miracles 101 as we get started here. Um, uh, So we're going to learn a little bit more about them so we understand miracles more fully because there's a lot of confusion out there about miracles, what they are, um, you know, what it means when people can perform them and and things like that. So we're going to cover a little bit of that today uh, before we start going into the practical miracles and how they apply to your life uh, here and now today. Um, To start, the first question would be, well, what is a miracle? You know, what what defines a miracle? Um, Miracles, by definition, they are events that undeniably occur but for which they have no natural explanation of how there are events that happen, but there's no natural explanation for it. Um, you know, miracles such as healing. Um, when your body, when you, your body gets a cut, um, it's natural for it to heal, you know, two or three days later, you take a look at it and it's pretty well healed up, you know, um, praise be to God that he designed our bodies that way, that they're able to heal themselves. Um, but if I cut my whole hand off and I look down and, uh, all of a sudden it just comes back that's a miracle. <laughs> that's not something that could naturally happen on its own. Uh, it's also something that's undeniable. You pretty much know <laughs> when your hand is gone um, and when God restores it. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those undeniable events that happen. Um, that There's just no natural explanation for it. There's no way that it could normally happen under uh, normal circumstances uh, without some kind of divine intervention. That is a miracle. Um, miracles um, can be big, like the one that I talked about. Miracles can also be small, you know, just in your everyday life as the uh, Holy Spirit reveals something to you. Uh, Maybe you lost your car keys, you know, for example, and uh, you're just running over the house uh, trying to find them. You're going to be running late here soon, and then all of a sudden it just comes to you exactly where they're at. You just get this picture in your head or you just hear this voice, and you go, and right there is where they are. That's just as much a miracle. That's something that cannot happen without divine intervention, right? Um, And that would be a word of uh, knowledge, So it's important, um, however, to recognize and to remember that not every miracle is an act of God. And I mean full-on, legitimate miracle. There is an undeniable event that happens. There's no natural explanation for it. Miracles can happen, but not necessarily by the hand of God. And we're going to talk about that later, so just kind of keep that in mind. But generally speaking, as we go into this, uh, we're going to be discussing those miracles that are the act of God, the will of God, Um, after encountering a man who refused to give up his money to follow Jesus, uh, when he was, uh, questioning him about what a person has to do to be saved, um, and man, that that story breaks my heart every time, you know, that he, he wasn't willing to give up something so trivial and worldly, his wealth, you know, to, to receive the salvation of God. Um, but anyways, after that happened, And his disciples are just distraught. And they're like, well, if this guy can't be saved, then who can? Who can be saved? Jesus says this in Matthew 19, 26. Um, It says that Jesus looked at them intently. And you can kind of picture that he's just looking at them. He's probably thinking, you know, coming up with words. And he says this. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Jesus was referring to one of the greatest miracles that any of us could ever receive, his salvation. I mean, there's no miracle that tops that, in my opinion. It's just amazing. It just leaves us in awe of him. Um, However, I feel like this is just an incredible definition of what, what a miracle is. A miracle is that which is impossible, humanly speaking, But entirely possible with God. Um, You know, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. The impossible things to us are just his specialty. It's just what he does. It's just who he is. Um, So now that we kind of understand what miracles are, next uh, the question kind of raises of what's the purpose of miracles? I mean... Why would God just not miraculously protect us all the time so we never need healing or never need deliverance or never, you know, need him to make a way where there's no other way? Um, You know, why do we, what is the purpose of miracles? Why do we even end up in situations uh, where we need one? It's an honest question. Miracles bring us into a, a personal encounter with God. We get to experience his nature in ways that we never could otherwise that that we could never experience or have that encounter with God had it not been for our circumstances um, we can only experience get to know him in specific ways through these miracles um, you know I mean for example there's even situations where we talk about healing and we we focus on healing a lot at new hope uh, we we believe in the Lord's healing and we seek after it and we pray for it and um, you know we want to see every person uh, in this valley healed and she's name Um, but there's there's one thing that we can say that God is our healer we can know all the scriptures and quote them about his his willingness to heal his ability to heal um, the times where he did those testimonies of where those miracles took place we know that God can heal but we don't know God as our healer we can know intellectually that God is is a healer, but we don't experientially know God as a healer, as our healer personally, um, without that miracle of healing. Um, you know, say, however, for example, we, we face an illness for which the medical community just gives us no hope. Um, you know, uh, for example, I mean, myself in my own life, I have type one diabetes and uh, I got an insulin pump strapped to my side and a glucose sensor on the other side, you know, that, um, just, you know uh that acts like my pancreas when it comes to uh, secreting insulin um the medical community really gives you no hope it's an incurable autoimmune disease um you know according to the medical community no one's ever been cured um but in the kingdom of god he is our healer you know so say for example you face a, something like that a disease a sickness that the, there's just no hope for healing But you seek after God, you pray, you ask Him to heal you, and He does. And you go back to the medical community and they confirm it, you know, um, you know, I, I no longer have to wear this insulin pump and, and my, my glucose levels are perfect without any, you know, form of, uh, medical, um, assistance, you know, to, to, uh, help that process. And, and they, um, you know, run through a battery of tests and, and prove that I am healed. I mean, then I know God is my healer and no one will ever convince me otherwise that not only is he able to heal, but he is willing to heal. Um, You know, you, you know God is your healer and it gives you this assurance of faith. It gives you this confidence in your relationship with him and it gives you a boldness to share your testimony with other people of how great he is and how much he loves them and how he wants to save them. There is something about a miracle that just transforms someone's life. Not only the person receiving the miracle, but also all the people who saw you before and after. I mean, it's just incredible what miracles do. Um, So miracles give us an experiential way of knowing God personally in a way that we never could otherwise. Um, miracles actually bring more revelation to ourselves and to others about God than decades of theological study. I mean, you can sit in a room with the greatest teachers and scholars in the face of the earth, and you can look through the word of God and divide it up and argue back and forth, and you can intellectually know all kinds of things about God. But miracles give us a revelation of who god is in ways that textbooks and and, and teachings never could to exp- experience and have an encounter with God. I mean, that's why we so love and emphasize and provide opportunities for, for things like altar ministry at the church. And that's why we encourage you when you're out and about in the community to look for opportunities to minister out um, you know, to the people around you. Because there's something about that personal encounter with God that just, it, it leaves you with no shadow of doubt. It leaves you this assurance and confidence of your faith in Him and uh, it, you know that, that changes you for the rest of your life. Miracles bring revelation. It proves not only God's existence to you beyond a shadow of a doubt, but it proves his sovereignty over all of his creation. What he says goes. He's the boss, right? That he is God. He has rule and reign over everything, even sickness, even death, you know, even the natural world around us. Um, that there's nothing greater than he is. You, you know that, you know, because of the miracle. Um, it proves to you his great love for, for us. And for his creation, that he would care that much about something I'm dealing with personally to to deal with that situation in my life in a miraculous way, um, to deliver me from whatever it is that's ailing me, to provide for me in ways that I need, you know, in all these different ways. Miracles prove his faithfulness to fulfill his promises, Miracles prove that He is a God of the Word and of action, that what He says, He will do. It gives us that assurance of all of His other promises because He fulfilled that one to us. Um, It proves to us the fullness of His salvation. The getting saved is so much more than just not going to hell whenever we die or raptured home, you know. It means so much more than that. It affects our natural life here and now in, in you know, huge ways. And so much more. There's so much revelation about God and His nature and His character and even His Word that we can um, get to know through the miraculous, through those encounters with God. Um, miracles provide an observable evidence of God's intervention for all to see, that, that God does intervene in the history of mankind on big scales and small scales, that he cares that much about us. Miracles are like literal, physical signs that point to him. They, that's why we call them signs, wonders, and miracles. They, they're, miracles leave us in wonder of who God is, and they point they are signs that point to him um in life um they turn our lives into a living altar they turn our lives into a living monument of who god is they mark us you know the same way that who was it uh, jacob who had wrestled with god you know that he, when his hip was out of joint you know he that limp <laughs> left him is a uh is a living monument to that encounter he had with god and uh we're believing that your encounters with god are going to be uh positive and beneficial, you know, uh, that he's not going to break your hip out of joint. We're actually praying in Jesus' name that if your hip's out of joint, it is healed right here and right now. Um, but, but miracles point to God through us. They, you know, they, miracles use our lives as a sign pointing to God and to his goodness and faithfulness. Now, here's what miracles don't do. Here's not the purpose of miracles. Miracles do not necessarily indicate anything about our own spiritual condition. Um, this is true about the person who maybe, maybe somebody prayed for you and that's how you were healed. Maybe it was on a TV program or somebody prayed for you in person and you were healed. Just because that miracle took place, that doesn't say anything about that person's spiritual condition. Um, Healing is a gift of God, of the Holy Spirit, and there's a whole slew of scriptures that reveal that the ability to perform miracles is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, However, just because one can perform a miracle doesn't necessarily mean that they are spiritually mature, in all honesty, it doesn't even mean that the necessary living for God. Once God gives you a gift, he doesn't revoke it. He doesn't take it away. Um, His word says that. And once he gives you that gift, that doesn't mean that you can't necessarily misuse it. Just because somebody gives me a hammer as a gift, that doesn't mean I'm going to just use it to build things. I could use it to destroy things too. So understand and recognize that. Somebody who has the ability to perform miracles, that doesn't necessarily say anything about their spiritual condition. No matter what they say, um, you know, no matter how many scriptures they quote, it doesn't necessarily say that they are living a life that honors God. Um, because gifts and the fruits of the Spirit are two different things. Gifts and fruits. Gifts are just that. They're gifts of God. Fruits of the Holy Spirit are actually the evidence of spiritual maturity and of God building our character and shaping who we are. Um, you know, so look for the fruits of the Spirit, not necessarily the gifts of the Spirit, for spiritual, um, you know, as an indication of the spiritual health of an individual. In fact, Jesus said that, by, your, by their fruits you will know them. Um, and you can read all about that in Galatians 5. That's a different teaching for a different time. But likewise, being the recipient of a miracle, it doesn't necessarily indicate a person's spiritual condition. And I know that people stand on the word and, you know, so many times a miracle happened and Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. Um, Miracles, they, they can require faith, but I know a lot of modern day and there's even some biblical examples of miracles that occurred for a person and they were living a life far from God. Their spiritual condition was dire. But yet God worked a miracle for them. Um, so just because you receive a miracle, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a greatness of faith or, or uh, it doesn't necessarily mark um, your obedience to him, you know, and, and, a, and a good, healthy spiritual relationship with him. Um, and, you know, think about, I think about Jonah. He's one of the examples that I always think of when it comes to that. Um, Jonah's heart was hard. Jonah was running away from God, and even when he finally went to Nineveh and he performed that miracle, talk about powerful miracle, you know, he gave a message, a prophetic word, and the entire nation of Nineveh was saved. They repented of their sins. They turned to God. What did Jonah do? His heart was so hard toward toward the people of Nineveh. He went up there. He perched himself down over the city. And his heart wasn't grieved the way that Jesus' was in compassion when he sat over Jerusalem. Jonah sat over Nineveh. And he was like eating popcorn, just waiting for the fire of God to fall and to destroy the city. Jonah wanted Nineveh destroyed. His heart was so hard toward God and toward the people that God had wanted to reach. But even in his hardness of heart, even while he was in the middle of waiting for, for the people to be destroyed that God had just saved. I mean, talk about being opposed to the, the will and the purposes and the heart of God. Jonah was. God still provided a shade tree for him. He performed a miracle to provide for Jonah. That didn't say that he was in a healthy spiritual place. It just proved the goodness of God and the faithfulness to still love us, even in our hard-heartedness and in our rebellion, God still loves us. And sometimes he'll perform miracles just to prove that. Um, also, you know, I have to talk about this too, because it is so prevalent in the church today, especially in Pentecostal circles. There are people out there that also misuse the gifts that God has given them for selfish gain. For example, God gave Paul this ability at one point in his ministry. Um, Acts chapter 19, verse 11 to 12. Paul didn't always have the, uh, the ability to perform miracles. He spent years studying and learning and being discipled by the church, and then when he went out and was doing ministry um, as an evangelist, as a missionary, um, at one point along that journey, God did this. In Acts 19, verse 11 through 12, it says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had been merely touched that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people they were healed of their diseases evil spirits were even expelled you know and today people claim to have that same gifting Um, and to be completely honest they may have that gift from God God did it for Paul he'll do it for people today he'll give them the, the, the unusual miraculous gift that just their hanky is able to heal people you know whoever it touches um However, what do they do with that gift? They sell those handkerchiefs for a high price, taking advantage of your weakness and need for a touch from God. They take advantage of you and they sell the gift of God for profit. Man, I'd hate to be them when I have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and answer for my life and for what he entrusted me with. It kills me. It breaks my heart. And I pray that they would come to their senses, repent of that sin, and use their gift the way that God intended them to. Um, But it's nothing new. In Acts chapter 8, we actually find uh, Simon. Um, It said that Simon thought he was something great. He went around actually performing miracles, um, you know, but not by the hand of God. And um, when he encountered, I think it was Paul or Peter, one or the other, uh, and they were laying their hands on people and praying for them and they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, Simon, who thought he was something awesome, wanted that same ability. So he tried to buy the gift of God. He tried to pay money so that he also would be able to lay hands on people and fill them with the Holy spirit. And he was rebuked for having that motive. Um, miracles indicate the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And they point to him. Miracles are not supposed to point to us. They're not about us, whether we receive them or whether we're able to perform them. They're about God and not us. Um, they, they they're to make his name great. They're to make Jesus famous and not us, um, in any way. Miracles are all about God and his mercy and grace toward you and I, um, toward sinful humans like us. God's intent for miracles is also to cause people to chase after the miracle worker, not the work of miracles. And man, do we get that backwards sometimes. They're intended for us to chase the miracle worker, not the work of miracles. It's to pursue a relationship with him and not just another experience. A miracle is not a drug. You know when you 're a recipient of a miracle or when you see a miracle happen, the intent for that is to draw you closer into relationship with God, not just chasing the next high, not chasing the next miracle and and seeing that next having that next experience right um, You know that in your natural relationships with people that 's an unhealthy relationship you know relationships yes they 're made of those high points they're made of those thrilling moments that we share life together with somebody. But relationships are just as much built through dark, hopeless seasons together. Relationships are strengthened and forged even stronger through the mundane routines of life, as they are those high moments. And as you know, the the ratio in life and in relationships with people... The highs are minimum, com, minimal compared to the rest of the experiences and the encounters we have with them. And it's no different with God. You know, you get to live your life every day in a relationship with Him. And yes, there will be highs, there will be miracles, there will be revelations that come to you that just leave you in awe of Him. And yes, you're going to want to chase those things. But don't chase those things. Chase the one who brought you into those counters and experiences. Pursue relationship, not miracles. The miracle worker, not the work of miracles. Um and because it's just an unhealthy thing and it'll lead you to unhealthy places, and we're gonna talk about that a little later. So as we develop a healthy relationship with God, the encouraging part is when you develop and you know that relationship, you actually begin to see the miraculous hand at work every day in your everyday life. You'll hear his voice and, and you'll see him work miracles in the everyday mundane routine um, you know, uh, you know, experiences of life. Um, you'll begin to cultivate a supernatural lifestyle to where the supernatural just becomes natural for you, to where miracles are just expected. When you encounter an impossible situation, you just expect God to do the miraculous. Um, and that's what we want to encourage people to do to be discipled, to grow in your relationship with Christ, um, and to, to cultivate that supernatural lifestyle. Um, after all, it's just as much a miracle to us when, when the Holy Spirit reminds us where we left our keys as it is when he miraculously heals us or delivers us from something that binds us. It's just as much a miracle to us. Um, miracles are intended to draw us closer to God and not to closer to miracles and keep this in mind as we uh, talk a little later about that because Jesus actually wants his desire for performing a miracle is to deepen relationships. His purpose for miracles is to have people turn away from their sin and to him. That's what he wants to see. He wants to see salvation resulting from his miracles. He wants to see us turn away from our fleshly desires and to turn toward him. Um, miracles are intended to result in the salvation of even unsaved people and to give us a fuller revelation of the salvation that we've already received. It furthers the mission of Jesus to seek and to save the lost miracles in the new Testament were just a part of, um, our mission to, to bring salvation to people. Miracles were a common part of that. In fact, we read in the word of God that signs, wonders, and miracles, they are to follow the preaching of the word. That's why we do altar time after the preaching. (laughs) Just a natural progression. Um, But listen to this. Jesus went around and he performed all these miracles from city to city to city. And then he sat down and he started reflecting about those towns. And in Matthew chapter 11... He starts denouncing those towns name by name by name and he said this and just I'm just going to read in verse 20 11, Matthew 11 verse 20 says then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he had done so many of his miracles because they hadn't repented of their sins and turned to God That's why Jesus performs miracles to get you to turn away from your sin and to turn to God Not so that you chase after miracles, it's so that you turn away from sin and you pursue a healthy relationship with God. That's the purpose of miracles, and it breaks the heart of Jesus. He started actually denouncing those towns because they didn't repent after they received those miracles. He he, he performed all these signs, wonders, and miracles, and they were pointless. He probably regretted that he had done some of them because they didn't produce the fruits that he intended them to. Don't let your life be that case. Don't have Jesus denounce the miracle he performed for you. Let your life be a sign of someone who has turned away from sin and to God. Now, because here's the other thing. As awesome as miracles are, they have a dark side to them, don't they? That's one of the possible dark sides. That a miracle happens and all you can boast about is a miracle. Not about God. All you can do is boast in yourself and about what God did for you. And you make it about you, 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 you. You, you know, me, me, me. And you begin to develop that eye problem. Um, and you forget to boast in the Lord. There's a dark side. That's one of them. The other thing is, when you need a miracle, you're probably not in a very good place. You're probably in a really rough spot. Um, you know, to be in a position where you need a miracle, you're probably in some serious trouble. To experience the need of the uh, healing of uh, healing, probably have some kind of sickness or disease or ailment that there's no hope for healing for otherwise to experience a miracle of deliverance. You're probably bound in some way and you cannot get yourself free from any worldly attempt to experience a miracle provision. You're in need and there's nothing that you can do on your own to provide for that need. And that's a bad place to be in to experience the miracle of the resurrection you got to be dead. (laughs) We all love to see Jesus raise the dead, but who wants to be in, in need of that miracle where you've died? And we could go on and on and on. Now, as a preface, I mean, not every need for a miracle is bad. I mean... Think, for example, when Jesus turned water to wine. I'm not going to say that's a dire, you know, need whenever you run out of alcohol in the house, you know. Um, some people may disagree, but hey, Jesus turned water into wine for drunk people who uh, were running low on alcohol, you know. That's that's what he did at that wedding. Um, walking on water. I mean, you know, maybe your boat went out there, you know, but it's not really a dire need. You know, your life's not at stake. Um, calming the storm, um, you know, paying your 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 taxes by fishing and catching that uh, fish, you know, it's not really a dire need. Um, you know, uh, the, the fig tree that withered, you know, when Jesus cursed it. I mean, that's a miracle, but didn't really provide for any need. So I could go on and on and on. Sometimes God does miracles just to bless us, just to show off, not necessarily because we're desperate for it. Um, Next, the question, when do they occur? And as I shared earlier, I mean, I am, let's see, I was 17, so I am 19 years. I've now lived with type 1 diabetes longer than I lived without it. And that's a long time to go needing a miracle. And that really has tested my faith over the years. There are times when I doubted. There are times when I've got angry with God And then there were times when I so believed in his ability to do it that I was convinced that he'd already done it. Um, You know, I've I've gone back and forth in my own faith, you know, Um, because that can be a challenging part to our faith of when miracles occur. Um, When we look at the word of God, the the woman with the issue of blood, she waited 12 years for her healing before she had that encounter with Jesus that healed her. Um, When Paul was bit with the poisonous snake, he shook it off into the fire And he never suffered for it at all. He was instantly healed and cured. That poison didn't harm him at all. An instantaneous miracle. Um, uh, The woman who was bent over and crippled, she waited 18 years for her healing. A disabled man, um, he waited 38 years for his healing. So the reality is every circumstance is unique. The cause for the need for our miracle varies, um, the, the urgency of, of God healing us varies. Uh, the, the key is that we turn away from our sin, we turn to God, and we pursue Him. And we patiently wait on that miracle with full assurance of faith that it's going to happen. Uh, look at Abraham and Sarah. They received a promise of God. God didn't perform that miracle until late in life. You know, they were nearing 100 years old. They reached the point of impossibility so that it was a miracle and not just a perf- uh, a fulfillment of a promise. It was a true miracle when it happened. Um, it, listen to what Jesus said here in the parable of the persistent widow. Um, in In Luke chapter 18, it's verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read a few verses just for time's sake. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and to never give up. He went on talking about this, this, this judge who could care less about God and this widow who is in need of, of his um, deliverance, of his justice, and he administered it. And Jesus said in verse 7, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. You know, so Jesus defines miracle-bringing faith as one who cries out for it day and night. You know, I've always been confused by this language, and to be honest, I still don't fully comprehend it because Jesus said that if we cry out for him day and night that he won't keep putting us off, it'll happen quickly. I'm <laughs> like... What? (laughs) If I'm crying out day and night, that's not quickly. That's not my definition of God quickly doing something for me. Day and night, crying out in desperation. That language confuses me, but I see it happening. People who pursued healing for years and years and years, that man by the pool of Bethsaida, crying out, trying to get in those waters day after day after day. And yet when his healing came, Came quickly. <laughs> you know, it's, it reminds me of sort of that opposing, you know, paradoxical statement to hurry up and wait. <laughs> you know, what I read is that it happens quickly from his perspective, um, but not necessarily for ours, you know, from our impatient, wanting it here and now kind of uh, perspective. Um, however, when it does come, it's well worth the wait. When the miracle of God happens in your life, You won't regret those years that you pursued it and chased after it by any means, you know, it's it's like a woman who who waits and labors and and, you know, um, you know, and and, and expects that child for nine months, you know, you wait nine months uh, for that child to come. And then when it comes, it seems to happen so quickly. And you kind of forget about that waiting season and you forget about that pain of labor, you know, and it's totally worth it. You know, similar to miracles. Uh, James says it this way. He likens it to a farmer who waits on its on their uh, field to yield their crop. They wait for weeks and sometimes months depending on the crop. But when the harvest does come, It comes quickly, you know? You know what it's like in your own little garden, you know? When that thing finally decides to start producing fruit, you can't keep up with it. Not only do you have enough to meet your need, it exceeds the need and you have an abundance to bless others with. Um, And that's what happens with miracles. So hang in there. Trust and don't give up. God is at work, even in the waiting season. Just because God doesn't answer your prayer instantly doesn't mean he is not going to answer your prayer. Keep pursuing him. Keep pursuing relationships and his miracle is on its way it's absolutely on its way it is yes and amen you're gonna receive it you just gotta hang in there until it happens trust god and trust his timing his perfect timing lastly here this is the warning about miracles that i've referred to a few times here throughout the message and that's the who of miracles not every miracle is performed by god you may recall these, these warnings, and this is precisely why we need to pursue God and not miracles. Um, the Word of God gives us many warnings about end times, and I'm only going to read a few scriptures, but there's a lot of warnings, because when the end times come, the way the enemy is going to work is by performing miracles and convincing through the miraculous that he is God. God. And even believers are going to be deceived and follow him because they're chasing after the miracle, not the miracle worker. They care about the signs, wonders, and miracles. They are deceived in thinking who is behind them. So we're gonna talk about that in Second Thessalonians chapter two verses one through nine. Paul warns, as he did many times when he was in Thessalonica. Apparently, they had this obsession about the end times, the same way as many people in the body have right now. Um, And he says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, he's saying this out of care and compassion for them. Let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's coming! His second return is happening! There is no doubt, and the day is drawing near. But he said, let us clarify some things about that coming and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the Lord, the coming of the Lord has already begun. Oh my goodness. Does the church need this word today? I've got people sending me YouTube videos left and right of these uh, preachers and of these um, so-called prophets and they're saying, and they're even using the word of God. Well, (laughs) Didn't Satan himself do that? And I love how they use the word of God. They quote the scriptures and then they overlay what's happening today on them. And they say, this is what the Bible was talking about. You know, it's like me going through this town and slaughtering every man, woman, child and animal. I can overlay it with the word of God because there is a word where God told his people to go and to do that. Does that mean that what I did was a fulfillment of God's word? Does that mean that what I did is the, the work of God here and now? That it's his will? That it's his heart? That it's his desire? Absolutely not. You've got to pull out what the word actually says and what it teaches and not put today's circumstances over top of it. Um, it's the, the difference of, uh, well, I forget the two E words, exegesis versus Isis or... Um, Yeah, I forget my seminary training already. But anyways, here's what it says. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by people who already say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, even if they claim to have had a spiritual revelation, even if they um, received a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For the day of the Lord, it, it won't come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. And brothers and sisters in Christ, <laughs> that day has not yet come. That day has not yet come where there's a great rebellion against God. Is there a rebellion against God? Absolutely. Are people trying to shut up Christians? Absolutely. But I don't believe that it's reached that point quite yet. I think it's, begun, it's beginning, but I don't think it's fully here yet. So, so just take a few steps back. Take a di- big, deep breath. The day, Lord, is not yet here. It's beginning, but it's not happening yet. And here's how he he describes this. He says that when that man of lawlessness, lawlessness does come, who brings destruction, it says he will exalt himself. He will defy everything that people call God, not just against Christians, but against every religion, everything that people call God. And he will... He will defy every object of worship. And then he will sit in the temple of God and claim that he himself is God. And it says in verse 7 that this lawlessness one, he's already at work secretly. So yes, it's already happening. He's working secretly and we're seeing the signs that he is at work. And it says that it will remain a secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed But our Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with... Here, this is the key. Listen to this. This man will do the work of Satan with powerful signs, wonders, and miracles. Satan will perform counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. And we will label it as Jesus, and He will call it the work of God. He'll even use the name of Jesus. And in Revelation 3, we see the same warning that when this beast comes, he has a fatal wound that's beyond recovery, no hope for healing in the natural realm. It says, But the fatal wound is healed. The miracle of healing happens at Satan's hand. And it says that the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to this beast. This is Revelation 13. It says he did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down um, to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all these various miracles that he performed, he deceived all the people who belong to this world So brothers and sisters in Christ, don't be deceived. Just because somebody works miracles doesn't mean they're doing it by the hand of God. It doesn't mean they are anointed by Jesus, no matter what they claim. Because even Satan himself quoted the word of God and and tried to encourage Jesus into fulfilling his uh you know his his purpose but not in the way that God his father had intended so don't be deceived there are miracles that are performed by God and there are counterfeit miracles out there and as the end of days draws nearer as it absolutely is it's amazing to me to see how easily God's people can be deceived, how easily they can be shaken, how easily they can chase after people who claim to be followers of Jesus, who claim that the, um, the miracles that they are working are a sign that they are the Lord's and sometimes they're not. Or sometimes they are and they're just misusing that gift. Um, you know, it's amazing to me how people will um, pursue miracles, they will give thousands and thousands of dollars to people. They will follow them from town to town and nation to nation. Um, you know, uh, There's a fine line between pursuing um, somebody who has that ability in the body of Christ because Jesus gives us that ability for an intent and a purpose. And if you need a miracle, go seek after that person's ministry. But don't chase that ministry just for the next spiritual high, for that next encounter. Don't chase the work of miracles. Chase... God, the miracle worker, um, you know, because their ultimate sh- pursuit should be that and not the work of miracles, um, you know, uh, because it's in that very way that many will follow Satan being fully convinced that they're following Jesus. They will support people's ministries fully being convinced that they're doing the work of the Lord, and having no idea because they're looking at the miracles and not chasing after the miracle worker who would bring that revelation to them otherwise. Um, And so I close out this Miracles 101 uh, kind of introductory message with one of my favorite miracles in the Bible, because this miracle reveals these basics about miracles. And this is what we've learned so far. Miracles are the events. Miracles are events that occur and have no natural explanation. Miracles happen because of the goodness of God, And not because our own spiritual condition or the person who performs it. Miracles point people to Jesus and not to man. Miracles result in salvation, turning away from sin and to God. Miracles often happen suddenly, but after a long wait. And if miracles are doing these basic things, they're likely not counterfeit. They're likely the real legit deal. So I close with this miracle in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, and it embodies all of these realities. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, Acts chapter 3. Now a man who was lame from birth, that's a long time to wait, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said... (laughs) look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, you know, look at us, silver or gold. I don't have, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand and helping him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong so here again, the man waited for years, decades, and his and his miracle came instantly. And so you see, these people are just amazed at what happened and just, uh, you know, thrilled about what God was able to do. They're rejoicing. Um, but man, do, this, does, do miracles also sometimes bring out division in the body of Christ and show who have this religious spirit and who just love Jesus? It says that here in Acts chapter four, verse three, it says that, um, you know, the Of course, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they came along and they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And so the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. Think about that. Thousands of people put their faith in Jesus because of this miracle. Miracles bring salvation. Um, And it doesn't say a whole lot about the spiritual condition of other people. I mean, they they were just common, ordinary people. And that's what we're going to read about here soon. It says, The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They met and they were were looking at Peter and John and they were trying to decide what they were going to do and how they were going to handle the situation because they were determined to stop the ministry of Jesus. It says in verse 13, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men... They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed this notable sign, and we ourselves can't even deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further, we, warned, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. So they called them together, they commanded them not to teach or to speak at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right, to listen to you or to listen to God? As for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide on how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was more than 40 years old. And so we we look at miracles. And as we begin to take a look at miracles and what they are and what their purpose is and how they come about, you know, we see this in all in that story. Um... But as we're going through this series, I want to encourage you to let your faith arise. I want to encourage you to find a new hope and to start hoping and trusting in God once again for your miracle, that you can be such a testimony and story. And so I want you to take time right now. Right now, just stop and take a moment. Close your eyes if you have to. And think about an area of your life right now that you could really use a miracle in. All of us have them. Think about something that has begun to look so hopeless that maybe you've just accepted as part of your life or maybe even accepted it as God's will for your life. Think of a situation that you know, it doesn't line up with the promises of God. And once you have that thing in mind, I want you to close your eyes and picture this. I want you to picture what we read in Matthew 19, 26. Picture Jesus Picture Jesus and picture him intensely looking at you. And picture Jesus saying humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Believe again. Trust again hope again. The God of miracles is able and willing. You may have waited for decades, but it's going to come quickly. It's going to come. It's going to happen. Your miracle is on its way. Um, And also, I want to encourage you, for those of you who have received these miracles in the past, and all of us have who are followers of Jesus, you've received some miracle in your life, if not only your salvation, please record yourself. Sharing that testimony, sharing that clip of what God has done for you, because I want to use it through this message series. I want to use it to encourage the world and to to take your testimony on a worldwide platform, telling everybody how awesome God is, because the miracle he has done for you. Man, your testimony might be the key to someone else's breakthrough. So don't selfishly hoard that. Tell the world about it so that they can know Jesus, so that they can give praise to Jesus. Your testimony might be like this testimony of the man by the gate called Beautiful. The word will spread about that miracle Thousands come to salvation and other people receive that same miracle in their own life personally. Your testimony may be the key to unlocking that. So, so don't hang on to it. Um, record yourself sharing that short testimony, send it my way. And, uh, you know, the Lord willing will, will fit it in wherever it's appropriate and, uh, share your testimony to the world out there. So in closing, let's just take time to pray together here. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You were a miracle worker in the beginning. You worked miracles all through your word as they are recorded. And you are still working miracles today. Jesus, forgive me for giving up hope. Forgive me for growing weary, Lord. Lord, right now, stir back up hope. Hope. Give me that eager expectation that that miracle is happening, that it's going to happen here and now. Lord, give me that faith. Give me that trust. Give me that hope, Lord, that you will do that miracle for me in my life. And Lord, when it happens, help me to keep my heart pure. Help me to use it, to glorify you, to boast in you, to tell people how good you are, how faithful you are, how much you love your people. Lord, help me not to make that miracle about me. Help me, Jesus, not to pursue the work of miracles, but to pursue you, the miracle worker. I love you. I thank you for who you are. And I praise you for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next week.